to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer and bassist from Norway, Singahoa. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Singaho. Yay, nay, bad. Yeah, okay. it's good. Oh, Sigur. I said wrong, did I? Okay. How do you yeah, say it correctly? Yeah. Go. Sigur Hula. Sigur Hula. Sigur Hula. Yeah, that's better. Okay. okay. <laughs> From Norway with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you give a short rundown about yourself to the people? So, and then we'll go <laughs> do it. Yeah. So my name is uh, Sigurd Hulla, like you, like you said. And um, <clears throat> I'm a bass player, uh, mostly a double bass, and also composer. It's just like 50-50 composing and playing. And yeah, and I live in Norway, just um, north of Oslo. And yeah, well, I guess we'll talk more about different things as yeah, we move along. Definitely. And your newest album. Or the latest album, the one that just came out a few days ago. Gotta yeah. say, I like it. I would have called it really a jazz album, but one thing I will say, <laughs> if I was to do a documentary and I wasn't writing the music, like the background music and everything, I would definitely reach out to you. But Oh, thank you. No, seriously. Uh, what was your motivation behind this? So um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, I was asked by... Um, festival in Norway called Oslo World to do a commissioned work for the festival in, in 2020. Um, and the festival theme of that year is was uh, solidarity. And uh, yeah, quite some years now I've been um, focusing a lot of my work on a lot on, this, on nature and also on working with natural sounds and um, my latest solo album that came out before this one was actually recorded uh, partially outside, outdoors I mean, uh, <clears throat> on this island in uh, northern Norway. So, so when the theme Solidarity came up, I wanted to see if I could um, make the commission somehow about solidarity with the nature and also solidarity with human beings that live in and close to and as a part of nature uh, in a different way than I do or we do in the Western Western world. So as it happened, this when we decided to do do this commission, it was just after. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic had uh, locked everything down in March uh, 2020. And I remember reading this article in the New York Times at that time about, <clears throat> about the Yanomami people, which is an um, indigenous people in that lives in the northern Amazon. I was telling the story about uh, how they and I guess also many other indigenous peoples around the world was facing the threat of yet another pandemic 
or epidemic brought upon them by the outside world. So that really awoke in my sense of solidarity reading this story. And, um, yeah, so that's part of the story behind it. And I started doing more research and learned more about the Yanomami and, and, uh, and their way of life in the rainforest. And I read this amazing book, it's called uh, The Falling Sky, which is written by their uh, spokesperson, it's called Davi Kopenawa, who's also a shaman. And this book tells, uh, this book tells a story um, <clears throat> about um, their life in the rainforest and about how the meeting with the outside world, um, their first contact with uh, the outside world was as late as in the 1930s or 40s, I think, so it's not that long ago. But how that, uh, the impacts uh, that has had on their, on their life in the forest. Um, One question, uh, there's a lot of scratching on your end. Are you scratching the table or something? Uh, I dropped something. Oh yeah, I am. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, that's okay. Bad, brother. <laughs> yeah. Should, continue, I, should I do it again? No, no, continue, yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's one part of the book that talks about their story that way. And then there's also, the book is also a lot about uh, their mythology and their ecological philosophy and their life in the forest, in nature and as part of nature. And I found this very fascinating to, to read about and, <clears throat> was this um, describing a whale life so very different from, from my own, you know, you know, living in a big city. And, and, but at the same time, it's a walk, a sort of, um, should I say, um, feeling of recognition or, yeah, this vague sense of uh, feeling familiar with the, um, with that way of life. Um, and of course, I'm very concerned about sound and I started thinking, well, what, what might their sort of sonic environment be like and how would that differ from, from my own? Um, because I'm very concerned about how the effect that sound has on our lives, you know, the sound that surround us, if it's music or, if, you know, whatever, kind of sounds we we hear during our day. Mm. And uh, as it were, I had um, earlier that year, just before everything closed down, um, in, it was in February, I was on tour in the US uh, and um, playing concerts with the Tour Gustafsson Trio, which has been a part of for some years and also I played a solo concert on the tour in, in um, Wild Recital Hall in Carnegie, in New York, which was an amazing experience. But um, on this tour, I visited Bernie Krause uh, in California, who is a soundscape ecologist. So Bernie has been traveling the world for more than, more than 50 years, um, recording the sounds of nature in many different habitats. Um, I found out about his work by chance a bit earlier and I wanted to visit him and meet him because we obviously had this shared um, 
fascination for uh, the sounds of the natural world. And, and what Bernie told me was that um, during those years, um, he noticed that it was getting harder and harder for him to um, to record what he described as uh, the sound of, um, of a healthy habitat, you know, where the whole spectrum of natural sounds are, are present like they were when he first started out doing this more than 50 years ago. So um, that became the start of the soundscape ecology that uses actually the sound of nature as a means to describe uh, the health of any given habitat. Um, and it turned out Bernie had this amazing... Uh, recordings as well from the Amazon rainforest and actually also from this area of the rainforest where the Yanomami people lived. So, so then I got the idea to, yeah, to make this commission about, about the sound of the rainforest and, and about um, uh, what inspired me in, in the texts in this, uh, in this book by Davi Kopenawa. So it's, yeah. I guess you can say that the album is sort of um, a celebration of the natural sounds of our world and also an expression of grief as these sounds uh, sadly fade away. Um, and yeah, of course, okay, I hope but... that we can, we can help that. <laughs> okay, so the, you're saying pretty much that the sound is fading away because of the urban developments. Yeah. But you could, uh, you could put it that way, yeah. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just <laughs> yeah. asking on it. So yeah, yeah. that motivated you to go over there to record the album with your friend from California, also giving you the stories, right? Yeah. yeah well, um, um, I collaborated with Bernie on a distance, so he sent me his recordings that he made of the rainforest some years back. So, so yeah, so I... The album is actually um, it's a live recording of the um, of the premiere of this music that I made for the festival in Oslo, and part of that concert were also Bernie's recordings from the rainforest. So, um, so yeah, I can tell you a little bit about that because um, it was really interesting. I had this idea to have them the musicians of the ensemble um, <clears throat> to ask them to improvise with these natural sounds, with the recordings. Um, I'd never done that before and I was uh, very excited and about you know, uh, what they would feel about doing such a thing. Um, it turned out they thought it was a good idea and I think it came out really well. So, you know, the album, it's not only that, it's only shorter sections in between. It's mostly my compositions and improvised solos and yeah, the music that I make. But um, from time, time to time during the album, there are these shorter uh, sections where the field recordings from the rainforest is played and the musicians will improvise and sort of uh, become a part of this uh, natural sonic environment. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And what was, what was your motivation behind the names of the song? Were those all mythological actual creatures or beings or stories? Or was it just something you put together? No, that's the first thing you said is uh, spot on. It's, okay. uh, 
all the names of the songs are <clears throat> yeah from the Yanomami mythology. Like the, um, I think almost all of them, uh, like the Puri Puriri moon being or the Sapiri, which are the spirits spirits of the forest. Um, yeah, all names come from come from that. <laughs> and in general, how was the response for the album? Um, I would say so far it's been uh, beyond my my wildest expectations. Uh, I'm so happy about that. Uh, course it's it's just out but already there's been really nice um <clears throat> reactions both from my listeners here in Norway uh, and also in the Norwegian uh, media it's been yeah it's been overwhelming there was actually this uh, national Norwegian TV news broadcast on the release day that covered the album which has never happened to me before and uh, I'm very happy about that both for the music and also for the, yeah, for the ideas that, or the, yeah, philosophical aspects of the, of the album. No, I understand. So I'm just really also curious how you went from, how should I say it, a straight ahead bass player <laughs> until stuff like this? <laughs> yeah, good question. <laughs> um I can tell you a bit about my musical background, maybe. Um, yeah, go. Because um, I started playing, well, first I played violin for quite some years when I was a kid. Um, then the electric bass came along at about 12 or 13. Uh, and I played uh, in rock and grunge bands for a couple of years. But um, I grew up in this, small place in Norway, it's called Rendal, and there's a symphony orchestra there, even though it's not many people, but there's an orchestra. And I needed ba a bass player, and I was asked to, uh, maybe you should try and play in this orchestra with a double bass. So I, my teacher started teaching me how to play classical music. So, <clears throat> so I don't have this. And I will be that's 14, 15 years old. Yeah. So... Jazz came into my life a bit later when I was ab about 17 or 18, I guess. So I, I didn't have this very strong connection to jazz growing up. But um, at that time, I started listening more to jazz. And <clears throat> and, um, and I'm, yeah, that was an amazing uh, period. I listened a lot to, you know, all the great jazz bass players like Jacob Asturias, of course, uh, is a huge fan of and also uh, Paul Chambers and Ron Carter and all, all those guys. Um, so I and I played a lot of that or tried my best at least to play a lot of music in that uh, uh, genre. And I learned so much from that. And I also remember listening very much to trumpet players like Chet Baker and Miles Davis to my big uh, heroes and I learned so many of their solos uh, by heart during my my days uh, studying. Um, so, <clears throat> but no, at the same time I was having this, um, also this strong fascination for um, for the Norwegian folk music, I guess you can say, and also the more the Scandinavian jazz that comes out of the work of um, and first it was a Swedish uh, pianist called Jan Johansson. Do you know him? 
which uh, started uh, to mix um, <clears throat> the sort of Scandinavian folk traditional music with influences from from the jazz uh, jazz world and also Jan Garbarek uh, so is an important player in that sort of the more Scandinavian jazz and I guess at some point I started to do uh, getting interested in how how I could um, make similar sounds or you know um, express on the double bass uh, the influences I was getting are we getting from this uh, yeah from this music which and uh, I was always uh, played a lot with the um, bow um, both you know from classical music and mm-hmm. so that's been a part of my playing always and and it was in a band called Apple Trio, uh, a piano trio um, that I started playing in uh, on the academy in Oslo, where we began exploring uh, <clears throat> this uh, sort of uh, very spacious soundscapes. And I would play a lot of drones using the bow and play exploring different uh, harmonics on the double bass. And yeah, how uh, how I could create this other kind of um, sonic uh, landscapes on the bass that, yeah, it's uh, quite different from, you know, the more traditional pizzicato jazz bass playing, so, which I also love, you know, but uh, I also love this other side of the bass and, um, you know, uh, in the reading folk, I guess any folk music, uh, I feel it's very strongly connected to nature in a way. With the natural harmonics on the string, and you get all these uh, intervals that uh, is and the microtonal uh, tonality that is different from the normal tempered scale, you know. Um, so, it, yeah, it was this sort of connection between the music I was playing and the nature that at least I felt very strongly that. I guess what was the main inspiration to start listening to other sounds uh, in in nature, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. So. And you've yeah. done that with some of your other albums. I didn't actually get to listen to all your albums because <laughs> my fault. Okay. There were far more than I expected in that short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> oh, no, okay. But. That seems to be a general theme. You like going to nature and using other mm-hmm. sounds effects in the general, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Does the jazz world in general respect you for that? In your view, in your opinion, or are you just like, eh? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't know because I'm not talking to everybody, but um, <laughs> but I guess. No, I feel from the response I get both from my fellow musicians and people listening to my music and also from from various kinds of uh, media writing about my music that it's uh, yeah that it's respected and, and being being appreciated so. mm-hmm. and your yeah. time that you lived in New York do you think that really shaped a lot of your music more than California or Ozo? Um, I didn't actually live in New York. I was just, uh, yeah, 
I was wrong. Yeah, no, no problem. I was, I was, I was just visiting. I've been there a couple of times and performing the concerts, but I, I never lived there myself. That would have been uh, really exciting to try at some point. But uh, yeah, um, but I've been, I've enjoyed going there and experiencing this huge, uh, huge city. So I, I look forward to going back one day. Yeah. Okay. And. What would you tell somebody getting into music, like right now? Like someone comes up to you and says, I want to be a professional musician, jazz artist, etc." Yeah. I'd say go for it. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, what would I say? I guess I would, um, I would, I would tell them about, um, about what music means to me, I guess, and about uh, all the um, all the amazing experiences I've had on stage with my fellow musicians, and being able to, you know, partake in this uh, wonderful creative environment and that music is, um, and that if they. If they feel drawn to that, they should, uh, yeah, just just work hard and and go for it and and uh, it's a cliche, but follow their dream, <laughs> I guess you know. But try or maybe <clears throat> uh, yeah, spend some time to to get a sense of their. Um, um, Yes, at least after some time, what's most important to them in music and what they really want to express, and then um, and then really go for that because uh, yeah, it's um, being in music is fantastic, and then also uh, it can be hard at times, you know. Uh, and it's important that you really put the energy into what matters the most to you, where you. Where you feel that you truly can um, can realize your your own potential, that's important, I think. Okay. And what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music world? What people seem to misunderstand? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I have to think about that. <laughs> Um, mm. okay. well, uh, <laughs> no problem, no, no problem, no problem, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe it's, uh, I could think of one thing though, that it's uh, related maybe the way to what I just said, that sometimes at least uh, I, I hear that um, someone would say, oh, you're so lucky to get to make a living just doing your hobby, you know? Um, but that sort of misses the point of all the hard work that, uh, <laughs> that uh, you have to put in, yeah. <laughs> it's not just a uh, uh, living of a hobby, it, yeah, so much more. So that's one thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, they are also right, though, because it's an amazing thing to be able to make a living doing music. So. So, if you could remove all the barriers and constraints, what would be your dream project? 
and who and what will be on it. If I could remove, remove all the barriers in... You have no yeah. money constraints. You could get any artist in the world. Oh, yeah. It's just my dream project. Wow. Um, okay, if I could... Uh, right now... Um, It would be to I guess I can I can give two examples. Uh, what first came to mind was if I could just do what I wanted right now. I would I would bring the ensemble from the new album and uh, and travel to the to the Amazonian rainforest and and perform the music live there in the forest. That would be. An amazing thing to do right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot more doable and so easier than some people's dreams. So you know that yeah, actually might true. happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, may maybe one day. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and, um, and what was? Oh yeah, keep going. You got something else? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would also really very much like one day to get to play a duo with uh, Ron Carter. That would be amazing. Ron Carter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and last thing is, have you ever been on any other albums or music that wasn't jazz related? Yeah. Yeah, tell us. Hmm, I have. Um, probably been several, I think, but... Um, I was once, um, or it wasn't just related. Um, sorry for being so. Uh, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> taking so long. Um, I barely speak one language. I'm not going to judge you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no I've, I've, um, you can just keep this all uh, blubbering thing and start maybe from now soon. Um, so I've been part of. Some uh, albums that's been more more in the in the pop uh, world, you can say, and uh, in a way that's also jazz related. I feel because uh, my background from jazz, I guess, goes into almost any music I play, <laughs> in a way. Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. I feel it's all related to jazz in a way. I haven't done, as I can remember right now, something that is. Uh, Totally unrelated to that. I've I've done albums with Norwegian folk music and with the pop, like I said, and also um, maybe the farthest away from jazz. I did. Okay, that's funny. I did once um, record a Christmas album with Christmas songs, uh, mostly um, traditional Norwegian and some other well-known Christmas songs with quite. Um, unusual ensemble, I would say. It was this huge um, female choir, only female voices, and one instrument, which was me on the double bass. Mm. That was, uh, yeah, that was really interesting to be uh, blending with all those uh, light, light sounds. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, Okay. Yeah. 
Well, sir, could you please tell everyone your social media, your website, where to find your album, etc.? Yeah, I can. So um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So you just have to put in my name, I guess, Sigurd Holla. And also um, my music will be available for streaming on Spotify and all other streaming services. And for those interested in um, buying physical products, I have most all my albums on both CD and vinyl. Then my Bandcamp site would be sigurdhula.bandcamp.com. And my webpage would be sigurdhula.no. Okay. Well, sir, thank you for joining us. Okay. Thanks for having me, Leander. And everyone, this is Leander from Empire of Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.